Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode number 48, entitled Truth to Power, in which I'll be examining issue number 40. Please stay tuned. Before we dive into The New Mutants number 40, Avengers Assemble. Let's run down our creative team really quickly. So, obviously, Chris Claremont's still doing the writing, which we already kind of knew. That's nothing new. Uh, We got Jackson Grace. He's penciling. He's worked uh, for Marvel and DC. He's He's an artist. He's a competent artist. I think I really like the art actually in this issue. I think it's fantastic. It has this... Um... It reminds me of uh, some of Sienkiewicz's work uh, just recently with Mary Wilshire. Um, it really makes me think of that. Kyle Baker is doing his inks for him. He also has worked for Marvel and DC for a long time. He also did some animation work for Looney T- uh, on Looney Tunes. So he's a competent artist. Uh, and the two of them paired together, like I said, Zinkevich feel, this Mary, Mary Wilshire and Zinkevich feel, very much so in my opinion. Michelle Wrightson is the colorist. We've got Tom Orzakicheski as the letters, and Anne Senti and Shooter are editors on this title. So that's our creative team. Let's, let's dive into this, to this issue. So our issue, it opens with the... New York City skyline, and a call is being made to the Avengers mansion. And the alarm sounds, and Wasp answers. Now, the Avengers are going to arrive, and they're in their it's evening, it's night, it's it's late at night, and the Avengers are appear in the you know control room or observation room, whatever you want to call it. Um, and this monitor's displaying this image of a man, and he's talking to them. And none of them are dressed in their uniforms. They're all dressed in nightgowns and nightwear. And uh, we find out through their discussion that their images that the monitor's projecting to the person on the other end are of them in their costumes. And that it is designed, their their system is designed to do this. So no matter you know, what they're wearing, no matter how they look, they are always look as though they're in their battle attire and there are in their uh costumes. It's just an interesting note. It doesn't come up as far as I have the little limited research I've done and some of the stuff I've found online. This is the first time it's ever been talked about. Chris Claremont uh puts this in, in play and it's never mentioned again, uh, in the adventure title in Avenger titles. But uh, it's just kind of an interesting little tidbit that Claremont places uh, places in Avengers continuity. Now, that being said, let's talk about who has contacted the Avengers. And you can probably guess. You might be thinking, hey, if you haven't read the comics in a while, you might not remember. Or if you haven't read this issue at all, you may not know. You might be thinking from the last issue, the episode we had, oh, it's got to be the White Queen. Well, kind of. Right, it's not the White Queen. She didn't contact them directly. Instead, it is a sheriff, um, Sheriff Beatty, and he's from the Massachusetts State Police, and he's he's contacting the Avengers because he had been contacted by Emma Frost, the headmaster of the Mass. It says headmistress, but I'm going to say headmaster um, of the Massachusetts Academy, and. 
she has told him that Magneto has threatened to kidnap some of her students. And so he knows he's not going to be the sheriff here. He knows this as well without of his ability to handle. Uh, he knows that Magneto is, rep- by reputation, doesn't, hasn't never met him, but he knows his reputation, and that's of being a terrorist and a mutant and just somebody that you can't, uh, you know, that's out of his league. And so he's reached out to the Avengers, calling in these guys to deal with the situation. And uh, what else we find out here, another piece of really kind of cool building on the, the, the size and the interweaving of the Marvel Universe, we have a note that uh, the Wasp makes. She tells everyone that she knows Emma Frost. In fact, she was almost went to school at the Massachusetts Academy. It's super pr- prestigious, and Emma Frost is an intelligent woman, uh, as cold as she is beautiful. Is uh, She's top drawer, brilliant businesswoman, right? She's just really, really sound. Um, and she's well, and she's, the Wasp respects Emma Frost. And so none of the Avengers know that Emma Frost is the White Queen. They don't, you know, know about, you know, I don't even know if the Hellfire Club's really on their radar. Uh, so it's not somebody that they, it doesn't raise any flags for them. And they believe that based on Magneto's history, he's done some pretty horrible things and this fits in his role and into that. They think it's entirely possible. They, they, um, they believe that it's, it's entirely possible. And Captain America, he had hoped that, you know, they, they, all the Avengers knew that he'd reformed, that, that he's supposed to be on the men, that he's supposed to be a good guy now, that he's joined the X-Men, and he's supposed to be, you know, doing good, not, you know, off being a villain. And uh, they'd hoped that, you know, that was going to work out, but it's to be expected. They really look at it as it's to be expected, and they start filling in the gaps. What could he be doing? Well, Captain America theorizes that maybe he's trying to rebuild the Brotherhood of Evil evil Mutants, and it's likely that the students that he's going after that he's targeting are mutants, and it makes sense to start a new Brotherhood with really young, young, young mutants who would be easier to manipulate and get, you know, your end goal of, of having them do these horrible things. And that's kind of where things go. So the Avengers assemble, right? Avengers assemble. They all assemble. Uh, the, the team is going to consist of Captain America, the Wasp. I might miss a few. The Black Knight, Hercules, Namor, and Captain Marvel. This is the uh, Afro- African-American woman. Uh, I think she's the second Captain Marvel uh, right after the other Captain Marvel, uh, the the original had passed, I believe. I might be wrong, and they may not have any connection, but uh, she is part of the team. I don't have a lot of knowledge of Captain Marvel-related material. Anyways, that being said, they assemble, and they're going to go after Magneto. They're going to try to stop him. Elsewhere, the Massachusetts Academy. Cannonball and Jetstream are racing through a slalom course. Uh created by magma and she is casting lava hoops 
of you know and having them create this song course and so they're flying through it as quick as they can and jet string uh wins and that's because sam uh cannonball crashes into the wall and hits the ground now omar is concerned and this is a beautiful time for once again claremont to inform the readers that Sam is near invulnerable when he's blasting, right? Like, this is constantly something that is brought up to us, the readers, uh, constantly reminded, and here it is done again. And Jetstream, he's victorious, and he's excited, and he's a teenage boy, and really wants to kiss Amara. He's got a thing for her, as seems to be the most, you know, it seems to be the case with most of the young men. Uh, they all seem to be attracted to her, and she rebuffs his advances and says yeah you can kiss me but you're gonna have to kiss me in my lava form and that quickly shuts down his attempts at making out with her now the white queen interrupts and she's not at all really happy she doesn't like that they're down there training they've got classes they should be you know getting ready for and you know this is just unnecessary they need to give everything they have during their training sessions their scheduled training sessions not goofing off like this and and it's during this discussion that Jetstream, who is really become an ally and a friend, and he cares about the new mutants, like they're his friends. He is really uh, one of the more mellow members of the of the Hellions, and there's probably more. There's only a few, a handful, really, of of Hellions that just never really that always kind of be more are more cast as more standoffish or more villainous and Jetstream's not one of them he and Sam have bonded he really likes Sam he really likes Southern New Mutants and he's concerned and so he mentions to the White Queen that you know Sam and the others are still suffering they're still having these nightmares they're still just kind of out of sorts and the White Queen you know decides that she needs to probe their minds. She needs to not try to figure out what the heck's going on. And so she probes Amara's mind. And this is not a pleasant situation. You can see that through the texts, the text on the page, right? Amara does not like that she's having this happen. And it's probably somewhat painful. And <clears throat> what basically the result of all of this is the White Queen has really no answers as to why this is still happening. Nothing you know, as far you know, she conducted those surgeries, psychic surgeries. Everything should be okay, but there's still this lingering problem, and she doesn't really know what the cause of it is. And whatever it is, it's really causing a deterioration in their in their training and in their abilities, and their performance. And it's potentially could become life threatening, like for these students. So she's trying to figure it out. She really doesn't know what it could be. And she's really grasping at straws. And this has greater implications. Like, if she was really seriously about trying to get them to join the Hellfire Club, are they going to be useful? There's a chance that they won't be. And so her gambit to try to use them as leverage to increase her influence in the Hellfire Club may not work out. So, that all being said, she does have some demands, some rules that she's going to set with the New Mutants and Jetstream. She tells them... They all need to get back to class right now. They, they've got classes. They need to go get ready for them. Meanwhile, no one is to be training outside of the scheduled training sessions or without supervision. You know, and so if they're going to do that, they need to be supervised. And she also informs, lets them know that she, they need to inform her, that especially new mutants, if any illness or problems occur. 
and they all head off. Now, Jetstream, he's defends his actions. Hey, you guys are my friends. I was trying to help out. Like, I can't watch you suffer. And they're irritated, both Amara and Sam, because, like, he's their friend. They, he, they don't feel like he should have said anything. Um, and I really like this, that they're turning, that Claremont's really beginning to humanize some of these Hellion characters. And, and it actually, you know, we can look at this issue, and this is really the beginning of the turn for Emma Frost. She's going to always, in Claremont's writing at least, at this in this era, maintain this villainous aspect. But we're seeing a softer side to her. She does seem, in a lot of ways, like Magneto, to care about the next generation of mutants. And sometimes seems to put that before, um, at least equal to her claims to power or her desire for power in the Hellfire Club. They may both work in concert, but she does genuinely seem to care. And that's going to be something that write, later writers are going to go and really examine in later books like Generation X. Um, and as she becomes more of a... She move, makes a transition from villain to hero. Um, and that's an easy place... I think for writers to go and say, okay, here's where we're going to talk about Emma Frost. This is why she's a character that can be redeemed because she does genuinely care about the the younger generation of mutants. Um, And she seems to be a good teacher. So that's where things are at at the Massachusetts Academy. So before we dive into this next chapter, I do want to make a quick, quick preface. I anticipate this being a fairly short episode and I'm only going to cover this one issue even though I think it's going to be a fairly short episode be- because I, that's what we've been doing um, the reason I think it's going to be a shorter episode is because a lot of this comic is really about a fight between the Avengers and Magneto and what I've discerned over the length of putting together this podcast is that me sitting down and trying to depict the fight via the battles, via podcast, is really silly. Uh, this is a visual, visual medium, and the best way for you, the listeners, to really understand the fight sequences is for you to look at the pages and to read the books themselves. And that's going to be a much better experience than me trying to, to, to dictate the fight to you via uh, this, this podcast. Um, that being said... I think a really good resource for looking these up, if you don't have hard copies uh, of of the comics, of these issues that I'm uh, that we're reviewing, uh, the best place to go would be probably Marvel Unlimited. Most of these issues that we've been reviewing, almost every, every one of them so far that I've reviewed, starting with issue number one up until this issue number 40, is in Marvel Unlimited. There are, looks like, some gaps, but that's not later on until Louis Simonson's run. Um, and I'll, I'll mention that when we get there. But for now, that's a really good resource, a good spot for you to read through these issues and to get the whole picture because that's, that's it's important. It's a visual medium. And by just me reciting issue, what's happening in the issue to you, uh, you lose a lot, I, I would argue. All right. Let's, I, I, I digress. Uh, anyways, so just somewhere in in the Massachusetts Academy area, Magneto is flying with Warlock. And Warlock, he's transformed himself into his best 
to what is to his his idea of what the blackbird is, right? And what we see on panel here is really comical in a lot of ways, and and it's a callback to the Mirror Island when Warlock's trying to talk to the blackbird, right? So he's created him, so he's formed himself into the blackbird. He looks just like the blackbird. There are some noticeable dis- dis- differences, though. Um, he shows. What we see coming off of Warlock's body on the bottom of the, what is supposed to be the bottom of the planet, possibly where the landing gear should be, are two yellow uh, bird's feet. And the wings have what looks like feathers coming off the back of them. So he looks like a mix between the Blackbird, the jet, and a Blackbird, the, a bird. So it's an interesting portrayal and creation. And when he talks to Magneto about this, Magneto's super understanding. Right? This... This this Eric Lencher that we're seeing here, this this magne- Magneto that we're seeing here, this this Magneto that couldn't handle what was happening to the New Mutants, has this tender side and this soft understanding that we've not seen from his character. I don't think since he's taken over the mansion from Charles Xavier, taken over as headmaster of the school, right? And he's super like positive and like giving good, you know, positive reinforcement, saying, hey, you're doing a great job. Um, and when Warlock asks, you know, suggests that, you know, wonders if they're going to have to fight the students, his, you know, his friends, Magneto doesn't know. It's possible. You know, with the White Queen having them, anything's possible. You know, she could manipulate them into fighting us very easily. We just don't know what to expect. And Warlock's like, well, he wants to, you know, he wants to suck the life flow out of the White Queen. He calls her the evil queen. And Magneto says, you know, no, under no circumstances is Magneto going to allow that to happen. And he tells him that any sentient life form, you know, you can't just suck the life force. That's, that's murder. That's killing. And so there's no exceptions. He tells him there's, that's a hard and fast rule. You can't kill people. That is just, it's not acceptable. And so as they're having this conversation, the Avengers attack. And... Like I said, I'm not going to discuss the fight, but uh, there are some moments where you're going to talk about. So Hercules launches the first attack. He smashes Warlock, and Warlock falls to the ground, and he's severely injured. He's really drained and close to death. So Magneto's trying to re-give him some power to absorb so he doesn't, you know, die, but he can't give it to him too fast. It'll kill him. And if he gives it to him too slow, it won't help him. So he's giving him some energy, and the Avengers now are on top of them. And so Magneto decides what he's got to do is lure the Avengers away from Warlock and hope that Warlock will be okay and really distract them because it's not Warlock. He's not, they're not after him. They need to, if he can just distract them, he'll be the one they're after. And he knows that. So he does that and fights as best he can, but he's holding back his punches and the fight's not going real well. And uh, at one point, there's a confrontation. They talk about how he has, couldn't have reformed and they knew it and he's a villain, blah, 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 right? This typical conversations that occur during a fight. And um, he points out, and when I say he, Magneto points out that, you know, they're, they've teamed up. They've allowed Namor, who's been a villain for a long stretch of time, to join the Avengers. And... The cat and Captain America is quick to defend him, saying, "Hey, you know, he fought with me during World War II. He helped fight the Nazis. He's 
may have been bad for a while, but he has a good heart and a good soul, and, and I trust him. And Magneto retorts that, hey, I was a prisoner of, of that man, that tyrant you fought. And, you know, really calling back to his time as, as a Jew during the Holocaust and being in, in these concentration camps. And it's the first time we've really seen this from Nagneto. Really, this, this is really the most direct. And it's just stunning to have Captain America of all the people put in his place like this. And the fight continues. And it looks like Magneto has been captured, but he, he kind of plays possum and he's able to get free again. The fight just continues and continues. And the, the, this whole time as the fight's going on, the Avengers are beginning to put pieces together, right? They're seeing that they find this evidence of Warlock. They see how bad he's injured. They're beginning to kind of suspect that maybe Magneto isn't on the run anymore. Maybe he's, you know, Captain America suggests that he's holding back. You know, he doesn't seem to be evil. Like, there's all these things that they're just not certain what's going on. And, I, you know, sometimes it's silly in superhero comics if they just talk. You know, I don't know that this, in this situation, just talking would have worked. Um, it makes sense. Like, yeah, hey, we should just talk this through. If we talked it through, and, yeah, you can't have that happen in a superhero comic even an X-Men comic or an X-Men spinoff where soap opera and drama is like what sells these comics, right? Like there's got to be some sort of confrontation and conflict and this is a good spot for it. But this conflict, I think, makes sense. Like it would make sense that Magneto, who's done all these terrible things, and everybody in the world knows that he's done these terrible things, right? That the money of superheroes of them all wouldn't trust him. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it wouldn't make very much sense if they would have been like, oh yeah, you're telling us this. They had a, le- a law enforcement officer contact them, telling them he's going to kidnap some kids. He's going towards, he was flying towards the cat- Massachusetts Academy. All the evidence suggests, maybe this is on the up and up. And so... I don't even think if Magneto would just come out and said, hey, these are my students, they were used to be, and this happened, this, this, and this. They didn't know. Like, they had reason to believe that Emma Frost is actually a brilliant businesswoman and, and on the up and up. Like, she's, she's a really good person, and her school is on the up and up, right? They, they have no information that tells them anything otherwise, but what they do have plenty of is information that tells them that Magneto's a bad guy, and you shouldn't trust him. So I think this this makes sense, in my opinion. I really think this fight with the Avengers and Magneto fits and makes sense here. And I really actually like this issue quite a bit because of that conflict. Like, I, allow, I like what it allows us to see from Magneto, right? He's trying to hold his punches. We get a look into his past in World War II. We get just these little nuggets of information that really help flesh out his character and help make him more... More, they humanize him more. They make him more sympathetic. And we see this soft side to Magneto 
that we haven't we've been seeing glimpses here and there but in this issue and we'll see more of it going forward like this conversation with warlock his desire to protect warlock his desire to protect the new mutants and how really actually he is a sound solid choice to lead the xavier school i really think this issue depicts him very well and some later choices that will happen with the new mutants uh later down the road and their distrust and dislike for magneto um, in this issue, I'm not sure that they should necessarily exist. We will see going forward how Magneto changes, but right now, he seems like the logical choice to replace Xavier. And uh, this issue really clearly, I think, displays that. Elsewhere, the Massachusetts Academy. Probably more meanwhile, actually. Students, they're gathered in the dining room or the dining commons uh, and are eating. They're all gathered, and there's lots of talking going on. But there's one group of students, obviously, we're focused on, and that's the New Mutants. And they're sitting around the table. It looks like it's Amara, Doug, Ileana, Shane Coin Man, uh, Sam, Wolfbane, uh, the entire group of New Mutants, and Empath. And they're eating, and Amara, something happens. She reacts. And it looks like she's in pain, and her friends react to that. They wonder if she's okay, and she tells them that her powers, her powers to manipulate the Earth, um, create some sort of empathy with the Earth for her. And so if something happens to the Earth that's in her immediate vicinity, she'll sense it. And someone manipulated, forcefully manipulated the Earth nearby. And that energy uh, resonance felt like Magneto. And Empath, he's being a jerk about this, like telling him, hey, you know, you're looking for trouble if you're going to go, you know, if you get involved with him, you know, you might end up having to fight him because the White Queen might make you do that. And they, and Sam just tells him to shut up. Um, and the White Queen, for her part, she's listening in on this. She knows she really can't stop this from happening. She can't inter- intervene because it'll make the students dislike her. And she can't, you know... As much as she does care about these students, she wants them to be safe. She also sees their, like we talked about, their potential to help her gain prestige within the Hellfire Club. And so she is too aggressive in any direction right now. She could sever all her positive inroads she's made with the New Mutants. And she realizes she she has no profit. There's nothing to gain from having the New Mutants go fight Magneto. You know, and so she just sits back and allows things to unfold. So Ileana, she's going to go and investigate. And so she teleports away, teleports to the fight, and, um, you know, gets involved. She throws off the Black Knight, who then Magneto is able to take advantage of. And Captain America throws a shield. Magneto dodges that. And Ileana opens a stepping disc, and into limbo goes Magneto capped shield and she teleports back and the new mutants discuss what to do they know the avengers are there and for them the avengers are heroes there's the law (coughs) and you know they're not sure that they should intervene now iliana for her part she's willing to speak truth to power and she tells them this time, they're making a mistake. They're the Avengers are making a mistake. Nobody's perfect. And she wants to go help Magneto. She wants to stand up to the power 
powers that be, she doesn't think they should just let Magneto swim. And eventually this is what everybody concludes. Now, Empath continues to harp on how the White Queen's not going to be happy, she's going to be upset with them, that, you know, they're betraying her, and after she's done so much to help them, and they tell him that, yeah, they're really grateful, they really appreciate everything the White Queen's done to help them, to help them get through this pain and the suffering, but they have to help Magneto. He tried to do right by them, he's done right by them since they became students of his, and he's done his best, and even if he was out of unable to help with certain situations, he did what he could to ensure that help was was available. And so they have to they have to go help him. And so they all go with Ileana and they teleport teleport to Limbo and to the fight. Elsewhere, um, back at the fight, Namor takes eventually takes down Magneto. He pulls him into a frozen lake and basically, you know, once they're in the water, the fight's over. Um, and pulls Magneto back out of the water and tosses him to the ground. And Warlock sees this and he knows that Magneto's in trouble and it looks like, you know, he's got to, he knows he's got to try to do something or at least he feels like he needs to do something and, and he lashes out at all of the Avengers, and he begins to suck their life clothes from their from them. You know, he drains, begins draining them, and Magneto he realizes that, in even in his weakened state now, that, or that in Warlock's weakened state, that he, if he begins draining them, he he'll go too far. Like there's no way he'll be able to stop draining them, and he'll kill them all. And you know that's not what he'd want to do. And so he decides he has to intervene, and he dis he he blasts. He he gives an energy surge to it appears he gives an energy surge to Warlock and knocks him knocks him off of them, you know, frees the Avengers and essentially saving their lives. And he tells the the Avengers, you know, to argue that this thing was trying to kill him, that he, he was just trying to protect Warlock was just trying to protect someone he cared about. And Cap then asks why he saved them when victory was so close at hand. Magneto responds, I told you, Captain, I have learned a better way. And as this discussion's going on, you know, Magneto's preparing to just turn himself in, like, just let Warlock go. Let me, you know, you came for me, take me, you know, whatever, just let let Warlock go. You know, that's important. And in the middle of this conversation, the new mutants arrive, and Sam, Ileana, Rain, Doug, Amara, Shane, they're all dressed as Hellions. And they confront they confront the Avengers and they tell him that Magneto and Warlock are coming with them and they better get out of the way because they're they're not gonna mess around. They'll they're not gonna they're not hesitating to fight. And Magneto and Warlock are teleported away in, in one of Magic's stepping discs. Uh, and and the Avengers, you know, uh, they're trying to sort this out. Like, they want to go search for him, but Cap's like, no, you know, they're gone. We're not going to find them. Um, and they're concerned that Magneto's reestablishing the Brotherhood, but Cap's not so sure. You know, Magneto, They certainly the students were there protecting, these, these young kids were there protecting Magneto. But, you know, they've 
taken in so many villains into their ranks. The Scarlet Witch, the Black Knight, Namor, you know, just tons of them. And they fought honorably and died. Some of them have died honorably um, as Avengers. And maybe the situation isn't that different. And, you know, I, I do like that Cap, of all of them, is coming around, um, even though he makes probably the gravest error by telling, you know, talking to a Jewish mutant about persecution and how someone fought on the side of uh, the right against the right against the Germans in World War II uh, it was kind of comical to have Magneto kind of put him in his place um, anyways so let's uh, not hesitate let's let's I digress let's hop into the final section meanwhile later the 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 new mutants Magneto and White Queen they they go to this place called the Stormhaven Inn. And Chris Claremont, he, he describes this place as a sort of neutral ground. Um, and the days that follow as they stay here are filled with exhaustive tests and deeper psychic probes. Really, it's Magneto and, and Emma really working to figure out what is wrong with the, the students. And eventually working together, they discover the problem and that it wasn't just psychic trauma it wasn't just the trauma of their ordeal but it was deeper it was more of a soul and heart issue with their heart and soul like their their essence of humanity was what was corrupted and 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 really suffering and what what we see here is the two of these teachers working together they are able to restore the new mutants to a semblance of normality, um, really helping them overcome their greatest effects, you know, their most traumatic effects. And uh, Ileana, who's looking on, is thinking about this and realizes that, like, Magneto's a real stand-up guy, and she really respects him. She she thinks highly of him. He fought the Avengers for them. He he came to help them. He's doing what he thought was best for them. And, you know, she's beginning to see that even if the New Mutants decided to stay on at the Massachusetts Academy with Emma Frost, well, he would be hurt by that. He would let that stand. He would be okay with it. He would let them do that because he cares about them not that much. And Magneto thanks Emma for all her help. And he wonders, you know, why why she helped. And she tells him there's two possible reasons. One is that it was out of the kindness of her own heart, or the other being that she has no use for damaged goods. And I love this. Like, we don't know. Like, she's not going to come out and say it. But I think, and it allows us, the reader, to depict what we want for her. We can either think highly of her and say, oh, she's good and good-natured and really cares about children and therefore she helped or two that she doesn't have a need for damaged goods that there'd be more trouble than they're worth and she wouldn't gain the benefit that she thought she would from the hellfire club which is possible too or maybe both you know both are true um but certainly the first that she's doing it out of the kindness of her heart and her caring for the students certainly plays well into the idea of her in generation x um anyways that being said, um, she is kind of playing a long game here. She concedes this victory, you know, and, and the New Mutants decide they're going to stay with Magneto, and they feel really bad about it, and they're really grateful for everything that Emma did. And she's thinking to herself that, you know, she tells him, hey, that's no problem, whatever. You'll always be welcome 
you know, you know, if you need, you know, my door will always be open to you. You'll always have a seat at my table. And fate casts the Hellions and the White Queen often as their, their rivals, but never enemies, right? So she's opening an invitation and really trying to stay on friendly terms with them. And she's thinking that really if Magneto tries to, to claim that she's evil, it will only make him look jealous and further push him push the new mutants towards Emma Frost. So it's it's definitely for her a long game. She's playing at potentially over time gaining the trust and influence over the new mutants um due to Magneto's follies. Um <clears throat> So that's really the conclusion of this episode. The next issue is going to be a one-shot. Uh, it's going to cover Danny and uh, her trip home. So that'll be the next issue that we cover. Uh, but for this issue, it's it's fantastic. I really, really like this story arc. I think it's fantastic. And I kind of look at this. Um, if you compare it to um, Xavier's gaining, you know, the new, you know, starting with the the miniseries and then into the first couple issues of the New Mutants. We, we have Xavier, he's possessed by a brood, and uh, he's making some terrible decisions. And we see similarities between that and the interactions of the New Mutants with him and the interactions with uh, Magneto, right, who is not possessed by a brood, but he is being manipulated by empath and so he's having he's running afoul of the new mutants and almost becomes his own villain right in a similar way that xavier did uh so i find that very interesting um the the how those two stories coincide right now i think this lays some really strong groundwork honestly for magneto as a as a empathetic um, hero, and I, I think he's portrays himself extremely well. This issue portrays him super well. He looks very competent, as though he would be a great headmaster and someone the New Mutants could definitely trust. Um, if this didn't help them trust him, then I don't know what would. So it's it's it'll be interesting going forward because I do know that that's going to become more of a strained relationship over time, and let's see how how that develops is that going to be um is that going to develop earnestly and uh honestly over time or is this just some editorial decision that maybe the dots don't all line up uh that'll be kind of fun to examine as we go forward but i i do i think this is a sound issue i like I love how they portray Magneto, and I honestly really like how the White Queen's portrayed. I think we see some character development in both of those characters that is just fantastic. And the New Mutants are kind of just a side show. Uh, Ileana gets some spotlight. I really like, you know, her taking kind of a role uh, as almost a narrator, almost a second narrator. We get some input from her uh, in terms of, like, standing up for what's right. We see... um, we see another point where, you know, uh, she's kind of narrating the scene in the in the in uh, Stormhaven Inn, right? When when she is talking, thinking to herself about uh, Magneto and 
what her point, how her view of him has kind of changed. Uh, it's it's just a solid issue, I think, a really solid story, Eric. Um, and it's it's been a really fun one to kick around and review. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Thank you uh, for anyone that's still listening. I I don't like skipping weeks um, because I know con. You know, consistency is important for the listeners, uh, and I like I like you to know. I I like it that the listeners can just open up uh, whatever app they listen to my podcast on um, on any given Wednesday and listen, and not and not have to wonder if there's going to be a podcast or not available. Um, so I do try to be consistent. I do uh, thank you for all being understanding. Uh, you know. Uh, last week with with the being out of out of state and uh dealing with family grief uh it was uh, it was nice to not have to clamor to try to squeeze time in to get a podcast out uh so you know thank you for being understanding um but yeah uh till next week uh just keep reading those comics James Explores the New Mutants is recorded in Des Moines, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episode are available on Facebook and Instagram simply by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Another cool way to reach the podcast is via the Anchor voicemail uh, service. It allows you, the listeners, to send me minute-long voice messages uh, that I can then put directly into the episode. So if you've got questions, comments, uh, please don't hesitate. Send them my way, and I'll do my best to uh, answer or uh, discuss them. Um, But thanks, as always, for listening, and I can't wait to uh, dive into the next issue next week. Uh, It's good to be back.